Welcome to the Social Ideas Podcast, brought to you by the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. This series looks through the lens of those striving for a better world. I'm Pam Mungru. Born without his right hand, Enzo Romero dreamt of having a prosthetic limb like Luke Skywalker from Star Wars. Enzo, who is now the founder and CEO of Latbionics, moved from his hometown in Peru to study mechatronic engineering at the University of Lima. I asked him why he was motivated to develop the technology to provide cost-effective prosthetics for the more than 12,000 Peruvians who are missing an upper body limb. The first thing is that probably you're working on a company that is not formal. So that means you do not have any insurance that would allow you to have access to this of all, right? A hook type prosthesis. And if you want to buy it for yourself, and if you want to buy it for yourself, hook type prosthesis here in Peru costs around 500 pounds. Uh, my electric and import from overseas can cost at least 10,000 pounds. So it is highly highly inaccessible to someone who is earning at least 230 pounds per month, which is the minimum life wage here in Peru. It's an area where both the offer and the demand are not accessible at all, right? And here in Peru, at least, if you have, you have lost your hand during a working scenario, the most probable thing is that you're going to lose your job and you're not going to have another job, at least you have your hand or something like that. So then it's an economic situation that fails not only into you, but also your family. So everything gets worsened. It is around that problematic that my company started. We had to figure out how can we design prothesis that do have the, that I hard tech prothesis, but how can we make it at most accessible at all? So then people get have access to buy right? So it is both on a technical level and on a level and scenario in which we worked. And back in 2017, we won a funding called Bold Ideas. Bold Ideas was how transform your research that is uh, in the way of uh, maybe health issues. How could you move that project to someone that could start an ownership way or that you could start a startup around it? So we figured out that, okay, around the model, it is way too expensive because when we started to design this prosthesis, it was not affordable at all. Uh, our main goal was not to put a hand on others' users, but create a prototype in our laboratory, right? So with these bold ideas, we started a project called Giving a Hand. And in Giving a Hand, we said, okay, so maybe we could take out uh, the motors. Maybe we could take out uh, the main control how we can use the same uh, hand looking that we already get to design, but maybe using a mechanical activation only. So when the user gets to move the partial palm that he or she has, it will move the entire set of fingers. Computation is transradial. Maybe we need to use the movement of the elbow or, or the shoulder, right? And that was amazing because then we started to have users that do not have the bias that I had, but they realized that that same feeling, maybe there was people that were congenital too, like me. Some of them get to use a hook type prosthesis. It's a very technical prosthesis. You, you get to do very movements, a lot of movements, gestures, I mean, but it is not aesthetic at all. And it's very heavy too. With our process, we get to design the hand, the other hand of the user. 
and we adapt to the amputation no matter the type of amputation. And when people realize that, okay, palm amputation, we recreate the entire set of fingers. So the looking that, that they have are their own hand, I believe is the same one that I had when I was uh, doing my, my very first thesis in the laboratory. And I think I have some pictures of it. What was that moment like when you first tried out your very first, very own prosthesis? Now, uh, undescriptable. Uh, I, I think team took a photo and I am gasping and covered with my other hand, my mouth, because I was going to start to cry. It was the realization of a dream about 12, 15 years that it was on the process and maybe someday, maybe someday. It was not that I bought a thesis. It was that my team and I, the people that I knew that I consider my friends in the laboratory, helped out to make this project. And I was not only the user, my experience with the prosthesis would help the project in order to realize if it was fitting correctly, if the device that I've created, which was something related to artificial touch. So when this would touch something, the sensors on it will translate uh, direct force against the amputated area. So I would have the same sensation of pressing with the fingers of the prosthesis on my amputated section. And uh, I, I could close the control loop because I could detect if I am touching that is fragile or is uh, hard to carry, right? And that instant was great. It was great. Dreams do can come true. And maybe there I create that is better and there's another one and maybe we could take another disability in the future. Yeah, yeah, that, that was my feeling. What is the process for somebody who comes to you to say, can you help me? Or do you go looking for the recipients? So we tend to have a lot of press, both in universities, our earning media, TED Talks and, and everything. And people, because they have looked at us on the, on the news, or maybe they saw one of our talks or, or something like that. For example, UN tell us that at least one out of five people have had disability around the world. So at least one of us knows another person that has a limb amputee situation. And yeah, that's the way we work. When a client comes to you for the first time, what is their reaction like? First, they, they feel that there's no way through you get to have this type of technology. That is the very first feeling that I get for some of them. Then it's excitement. They realize that maybe they can activate their amputees again and start working with, with two hands again. Then it's something that I felt is a sensation more related to people that have lost their hands in accidents. And it's not that sensation with people that have a congenital amputation. Because if the people that have lost their limb on an accident they thought that there was not going to be a hand for all. Like, they lost and that's it, right? So first is, it is they do not believe that uh, we have that type of technology here. And second is excitement, yeah. With the economic situation the way it is in Peru, how do you keep yourself funded to continue doing the amazing work that you're doing? Yes. So, for example, for our company, at the beginning, we said, Okay, not a, not a lot of people can get to pay what we are asking, right? 
So we started to develop this program to installment payments. So people can pay us around six to 12 months because they need to come back in order to finish their post prothesis therapies. And for example, at least until the 50% of the entire payment is not finished at all, the user does not have the right to take the prosthesis to, to their home. They need to come to us every single week in order to perform their, their therapies. We, could not, we cannot perform research like a bank will do regarding your uh, financial or credit or that. So we tend to, to trust in our clients and so far it has been working great to us. So if in Peru an imported prosthetic costs around £10,000, what does your prosthetic cost for the end user? Our, our robotic model is around £1,500 and our mechanical model is around £800. So we, we try to keep it only that it could help us a, a margin of utilities, but we believe that it is a, a company that needs to work around other people. So maybe the profit is not high enough, but we need about, uh, about it because we can pay the salaries of the people that works with me. And of course, we try to look with funding from NGOs or from the Peruvian government. We try to work with companies too. The company throughout their social campaign or their sustainability programs, they tend to work with the community and because we are a company, they can work with us, right? So we have an example of that. Uh, we've been working with an uh, international hydrocarbon company that is established here in Peru called Repsol. Repsol uh, extract oil here, here in Peru and they are a company from Spain. So we've been developing since last year on a district here in Peru and we've been uh, working with 20 people that are on extreme poverty level that have lost their hand or maybe they were born without a hand. So the ones that are funding the prosthesis are this company and we get to work with the users. How do you balance then what you are doing as a social entrepreneur and then combining working, as you say, business to business with a company that drills for oil? So for us, that was kind of hard, but the way we get to, to work with my university the, the deal that we get is it, it is something like that. We can produce our products as lab bionics, but we can still do research and apply to funding in order to do R&D with the university. So for the university, you get to have your paper publications, you get to have your industrial property or your intellectual property, but we get to have the license in order to sell them or in the way we want, right? And this is an area that we won an award because we work with 3D printing, we need to have uh, filaments. And we've been working with uh, two types of filaments, A and ABS, which is uh, two types of polymers. But I thought that maybe we can work with PET bottles too, the plastic bottles that you get to buy everywhere, right? Because that PET, it is polymer too, and combined with, with an strengthened insulin, you get to have RPET, which is another type of filament. And in this research project, we get to bought the machinery that help us to recreate that. So we have a, a machine that will change the plastic bottles into little pellets, and then the pellets to be extruded in order to create new filament, right? 
uh, that is something that, that we think it is great and it's around a circular economy in which it is not only recycling in order to have more bottles, but recycling in order to have a hand that could help someone to, to have a better life, right? And about this company, of course, we, we, we do recognize that maybe they have a big responsibility and they have a very big environmental responsibility, but we will not take the accord if we were not sure that this company works onto the highest uh, of level of sustainability and environmental standards here in Peru. Because uh, our university, it is considered uh, the number one private university in Peru and around the top 10 in Latin America. So my university works very high around public image. If our public image is not good at all, that is the worst scenario for us, right? Because we have been building around that. So being with this company, Repsol, which works again on the higher environmental standards, I, I believe it is good because they have this program for working with people in their society. I think what we do is a way that maybe could help someone, yeah. What I'd like to do is, is actually ask you about what it was like when you were a child, because mm -hmm. often when somebody is born with a disability, there is a, a, a moment when they suddenly realize and truly understand I am different. Do you remember that moment? So back in Cusco, I was born in a place called the Sacred Valley. And this Sacred Valley is uh, very near to Machu Picchu, right? It is, a small, it is a small town and the people that used to live there knew me, knew my family and knew around my case. So I, I do not remember none in the town being like aggressive or uh, making me feel different because they knew me since I was a since I was a child, right? The problem I think began when I came to Lima. Lima is a capital with at least 11 million people, and here I realized I was walking around the street with a small T-shirt, and people started to staring at me, and I was like, "What? Why are they doing?" And then I realized that that of course I am different, right? So without realizing it, I started to hide my hand. So put it under my clothes, under my jeans, walking with just my right hand under my jeans and with my left hand on, on free. And that was at least three to four years of my university, at least until we get to develop the, the prefaces, right? And then I think something changed because when I was walking around the university, practicing with the robotic prefaces that we developed, the feeling that I get was not that they were feeling pity for me. They had an, an awesome look regarding, wow, what, what is he using or what looks like so futuristic, so robotic. And that felt great. Enzo, what is the future then for Lat Bionics? As our name it is, stands for Latin America. So we would not like to work only on Peru. We would like to jump to, to bigger markets, for example, Mexico and Brazil. I have two giants here in Latin America. And because, uh, as I told you at the beginning, here in Peru, we're around 12,600, but in developing countries, we're 2.4 million people, right? So not all of them, of course, would like to use a prefixes, but at least get to talk with them and offer uh, that there is an exit if you like to have a hand again, or maybe if you have lost your entire hand, you need a tool to work again, you have a, a solution in us. I would like to see ourselves like put Lima, like an institute, 
in which you get to come from other parts of the world to work with us on a level that is microscope for us at the beginning here because we we tend to work with a multidisciplinary approach in order to work with now with one use and we would like to do that too but not only for upper limb amputation but also to any type of disability. So if you have a talking disability, you can come to us. If you have a cognitive disability, you get to work to us. Arms or legs related disabilities, you get to think around lab bionics as a company that you get to have a solution. And that is something that I am willing to work to in the future. That was Enzo Romero, the founder and CEO of Lat Bionics in Peru. You can find out more about the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube. <laughs>